production of Auto Line this week is underwritten by True Car and by. You know why I pulled you over, ma'am? I need you to recalibrate the Doppler shift on the return signal. Radar's on the frisk. Do Sonata drivers know something you don't? The Sonata from Hyundai. And now, here is your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on AutoLine this week. We're going to be talking all about the North American Truck of the Year Award. And that's because I've got two fellow jurors who vote on that. Joining us today are Michelle Krebs from Edmunds.com and Tony Swan from CarAndDriver.com and Kelly Blue Book. Great having the both of you here. Okay, the finalists for the Truck of the Year Award are the Ford C-Max, the Mazda CX-5, and the Ram 1500. Tony, is this how you voted? Is this the way Just to... one moment. Okay. Just one moment. It is Truck and Utility of the Year, which gets us off the hook for a lot of weird vehicles that are in there, like the Ford C-Max, which to me is a car. But yes, I voted. <laughs> what do you want to know? Well, what I'd like to know is, uh, let's start with the Ford C-Max. What do you make of that vehicle? I think that that's a terrific little package. I think that it's a car with a lot of utility virtues to it. I wish that it was available with something besides just the hybrid powertrain, probably bring the price down. And uh, it's fun, it's cute, and it's a car. Michelle, what do you think? A lot of utility. I used it, I was making a move and I packed a lot of stuff in there and it was just a lot of utility and I was surprised at how peppy it was. Uh, so it's really fun to drive. Okay, why is this thing only available as a hybrid? To your point, Tony, it might attract more people if it offered more than a hybrid powertrain. The utility aspect of it, let me address that for a second. I mean, that's true of almost any hatchback that you care to name. Hatchbacks have a lot of utility. We still tend to reject them a little bit in this country. We prefer sedans when it comes down to that. But uh, why do they do it only as a, as a, a hybrid? I can't answer that question. Maybe you can. I'm not sure either. Well, I think I can throw in, you know, some analysis on that. Ford knows that any car company that's perceived as a fuel economy leader also gets all these other accolades. They're perceived as a good corporate citizen. Their cars are perceived as having very good quality. Toyota's got that mantle now. Toyota dominates the hybrid segment. Ford's decided that one of the reasons Toyota does so well, and really it's the Prius, the Prius accounts for half of all hybrid sales probably in the world, is that it has a unique silhouette and it's only available as a hybrid. So people buying that thing love to make a statement, hey, I'm doing my part for the planet. Absolutely. And I think Ford's decided, hey, the C-Max is a unique silhouette. We're only going to make it available as a hybrid. And, and boy, they've put Toyota in their crosshairs. All their advertising exactly. is bragging about how they get better exactly. fuel economy than the Toyota Prius V. And all the advertising is aimed right at Prius as if nothing else exists. So, yeah. I like the vehicle, too, except for one thing, the fuel economy. It's rated at 47 miles per gallon. Try as I might, I couldn't get it to go over 40. In fact, in normal everyday driving, just keeping up with traffic, I got about 37, 38 miles per gallon, which what I, I would have thought was terrific, except the label said I should be getting 47, 47 combined. 
So I was actually pretty disappointed in the vehicle because it came nowhere near delivering the big calling card that it's got. It's kind of funny that we're complaining about 37 miles. I, I, I know, but it's, it's expectations, right? I, right? I expect to get 47, maybe even beat it. Maybe I could get 50. I couldn't come anywhere near it. And I it. think that's going to be an increasing issue in the industry. We've already seen that with a couple car companies. And, you know, oh, I just saw it with too, uh, so. the new Jetta hybrid, which is it's got something that a lot of hybrids do not have, and that is it's fun to drive. I mean, in a sporty kind of way. But it's uh, 42 city, 48 highway, which is unusual, and I got 37. So what's that? Well, I think this is an issue with all hybrids right now. Not so much the problems with the hybrids. It's how the EPA test determines what their fuel economy is. And I don't know the full background on it yet, but these new hybrids can run in EV mode for far longer than they could have just a few years ago and at much higher speeds. I think what's Ford claiming on the, the C-Max? You can get it up to 65 miles an hour or something like that in electric mode. For how far? For, for how far. But the point is, far enough to do most of the EPA right. test or a good chunk of the EPA test in EV mode. So you get these super high fuel economy numbers, but you take it out on the real world and guess what? It's the real world and you don't run a test. You run around doing errands or commuting or whatever and it just doesn't deliver the fuel economy. Well, that's true, but a lot of these guys are, are talking about, uh, well, we can go an entire mile in electric mode and we can go 1.5 miles and uh, that sort of thing and yeah the speeds are increasing but it's not a hell of a lot of distance when you talk about real world no real world but i think ford's claiming i want to say yeah, up to 18 miles in ev mode I, th I think other people are claiming real world they're getting 12 but nonetheless it's enough to skew the fuel economy yeah. test to make the numbers look better than they are and it's not just a ford problem i've run it's into this problem with the problem. toyota and honda hybrids as well mm -hmm. okay let's go down the list a bit uh mazda cx-5 who wants to start well we're going down the list a bit but that doesn't necessarily mean in order of uh, my preferences which is that's all that matters here i think <laughs> <laughs> That's why we invited yeah. you on the show, Tony. <laughs> uh, well, I feel very strongly both ways. Uh, the CX-5, you know, we were talking about that before the show. I mean, a very nice package in a lot of ways. I think that uh, they got saddled with this ridiculous uh, marketing uh, name for it, uh, Sky, Sky Active. Yeah. What is that? What it really means is everything is engineered, you know, to Perfectly. it's holistic. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And it has everything. It's a lot of fun to drive because the handling, the dynamics are terrific. And uh, it has hatchback utility to it. it the one thing that's uh, weak is uh, the powertrain. A little weak on the power. You mean not enough power? Not enough power. That was my issue with it, too. I think handling's great, utility's great, uh, very comfortable vehicle, but it, it just disappointed me in terms of a power. I love the way that this thing drives. I mean, it's a, it's a true driver's compact crossover. You know, if you're a true enthusiast and enjoy driving, I, I can't think of a better one to recommend than the CX-5. I gave it a lot of points in my truck of the year uh, evaluation. I'd agree with Tony. I wish it had more power. Mazda has more recently introduced a new diesel engine that it's going to bring to the U.S. market. I'd love to see that diesel in the CX-5. I think it would solve all the problems. But I also find, too, that the use of interior materials was a little towards the cheap side. And I think this is a reflection of building the vehicle in Japan, in yen, mm -hmm. trying to sell it in dollars, 
Well, that's a, that's a tough financial nut to crack. And a company that's got some issues anyway. And, 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 and a small company that doesn't have a lot of scale. So I think they had to scrimp a little bit. I'm not saying that it, it's, it's bad, it's cheap or anything, but boy, it's a competitive segment. Nonetheless, I gave this vehicle a lot of points because I just love the way this thing drives and, and the way it looks too. I like the styling on it. Well, when you talk about fun to drive, one that did not make the cut that really surprised me was the Ford Escape. It uh, measures up, uh, to me, uh, exactly the same as CX-5 on fun to drive, mainly because it's got better powertrains or, or, and more variety in that area. CX-5 probably rides a little better, but it didn't make it. Except four recalls in, in, what, six months? Ford's got a real problem with yes, two of its indeed. newest products, the Escape and the Fusion. They've had a string of recalls on both vehicles, and I'm sure that weighed heavily on jurors who were voting. Absolutely. Do I make this a truck of the year when it's had four recalls Especially already? When you're, you're, you know, advocating this for a consumer. Um, yeah, I, I think that I thought for sure going into this voting early in the year when we saw kind of what the products would be, I thought it could be a sweep by Ford, you know, with the Fusion and the Escape and. Recalls hasn't happened. Real, that hasn't happened. Recalls haven't uh, and have heard it, and so has my Ford Touch. I love the styling of the Escape. I do too. I well, think it looks, it looks dynamite. I love the interior layout. I think the use of materials is exactly the opposite of what I was saying about the Mazda CX-5. And lots of variety in terms of how you can order it. Too. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, and you know they they've got this you know sweep your foot under the back bumper if you right. have an armful of groceries and the lift gate opens automatically. So clever, very consumer-friendly kind of technology going you into it. Build it right. But you got to build it right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, you're right. so strict. <laughs> but you know, speaking of another one that didn't make the list, uh, I thought very highly of the Hyundai Santa Fe. Uh, very nice package, good styling, and as Hyundai is wont to do these days, lots of equipment at a very attractive price. So I'm, I'm curious, and, and maybe because Mazda got caught you know, sort of fudging its fuel economy numbers. I wonder if the jurors Hyundai. knocked Hyundai. it. Or Hyundai uh, got caught. Excuse me. Thanks for catching me on that one. I think that might have been some of it, too. Um, I, I think also, t I, for me, there were very, a very strong first and second. And I have a feeling there wasn't such a really standout number three to vote for. I, I, I'm assuming that might be the case with other jurors. So I'm wondering if a lot of our points, because we, we spread, well, we, we have 25 points to spread. I wonder if they got spread around in a lot of different ways. So. I think the, the, the thing with the Hyundai, the Santa Fe, is it's very nice. And, and of course, one of their strengths always is a lot of equipment for the money. Terrific value story. But one of our uh, premises is that, does this thing move the needle? Right. What is, does it change uh, change the game a little bit, and I don't think the Hyundai does that. I think it's just a very nice refinement of what we've seen before. Okay, let's get to one that I think we'll all agree is an absolute number one killer, Dodge Ram. Dodge Ram, Not there I go. Dodge. I do that all the time, too. Everybody does. They've dropped the Dodge name. They're just calling the brand Ram. So let's say the Ram 1500. Michelle, what do you make uh, of the truck? It was brilliant. I, uh, a number of things surprised me. First of all, it, it's a mid-cycle refresh. This isn't like wasn't supposed to be the big year that they redid the whole thing. And it's brilliant timing because the truck market is starting to pick up. We've got GM introducing its trucks next year, uh, Ford the year after that, and they really raised the bar. Um, and I just love the truck. I thought it was terrific. They did so many things to that truck. Uh, yeah, a refresh. They didn't really touch the chassis much. They didn't have to. It's a terrific chassis. 
And there are all these details. That new V6 is just dynamite and replacing one that was nothing but a boat anchor. And so many nice details, that transmission. I thought the dial-a-gear thing would uh, turn off a lot of the, uh, the good old boy truckers. Mm-mm, they're selling like hotcakes. It's just dynamite. A couple of things that I like is what you just mentioned, Tony, uh, the V6 train, uh, the, the V6 engine, engine in it, which yeah. is primo state-of-the-art sewing machine kind of singing engine. I love it. Made it to an eight-speed automatic. So you get yes. plenty of get-up-and-go, really slow-turning engine at highway speeds, which gets you better fuel economy. And while they didn't touch the chassis, they did touch the suspension. They put an air suspension on it. Right. So Good when point. you're going to get into the vehicle or let somebody into it, it'll really kneel down. One of our other colleagues on the jury, uh, Drew Winter from Ward's Auto, told me, he says, it's almost like the elephant kneeling down so you can get back on and, and you know, get back up. At highway speeds, the suspension lowers a couple of inches for better aerodynamics. So not only does it ride really well, they're actually using the suspension to make it easier to get in and out of the truck and to improve fuel economy. And I thought that was terrific about it. Well, the performance improves, the fuel economy improves, the utility improves. It looks, it doesn't look a lot different, but they tweaked it here and there, and it, so it looks good. Beautiful inside, more room. I mean, there's, they've improved everything about that Comfortable, truck. Comfortable, quiet. Uh, it, and I felt like it, it drove smaller than it really is. I mean, it's a big truck, but I, I never felt like it was overwhelmingly big. The thing that really sold me on it is, as you all know, the North American Car and Truck of the Year jury gets together in hell, Michigan, because we've got some terrific driving roads out there. And I do uh, a specific loop, and part of it's got this very broken pavement. It'll shake and rattle anything in any vehicle. And I took the Mercedes and the BMWs and the Lexuses and uh, the Infinities, all the luxury vehicles across this very broken pavement. Nothing felt as quiet and solid as the Ram pickup. And that made my jaw drop. That a, a pickup truck, you know, a work truck would feel more comfortable, quiet, and better put together than all these luxury vehicles. And they're no slouches either. It's just that this thing, to me, just stood above everything else out there. It's interesting also, uh, kind of a tangential, uh, the business about Ram. It, Ram now is a separate brand. I, I wonder how confusing that is for people. Well, we're still saying Dodge Ram, aren't we? We are, and now we've got SRT, Street and, street and Racing Perform or Technology, instead of Dodge Viper or whatever. And I just drove the Viper, and I thought, people are going to call it an SRT? What is that? It doesn't make any sense at all. But maybe it makes sense to them. Well, you know, what they'll tell you is they felt that they had to separate Dodge from Ram to allow Ram become much more of a commercial brand. They've got all these commercial vans coming with their partnership from Fiat, the Doblo, the Docado, and, and especially when you get outside of the U.S. market, as they try to market Dodge versus Ram, they didn't want people overseas who had never seen Dodge before go, wait a minute. You know, uh, these cars are the same as these commercial vehicles. Right. That's their argument. But I still say Dodge Ram. I still do, too. <laughs> I try to correct myself, but it's so easy to say. So let's talk about some of the other vehicles that were on the list that didn't make the finalists. Audi All Road. I love that vehicle, but I, you know, as we talked about, journalists love station wagons, and Americans don't necessarily. I took that on a trip, a very long trip, and it was so comfortable and, and just a delight to drive. But, it, but it's a station wagon. The trouble is, it's a car. 
it is well, that's my should point. not be on the truck list. We, we it really shouldn't. We we get around it. Uh, I hate and to we say should it. hasten to add to Tony that this truck versus car versus utility oh. argument is a slam drag them down argument every Months. single year as to what should be on the list. Go so th this isn't just done haphazardly. Well, we only added the word utility because it's so blurry now. If we say truck and we start calling things like the C-Max a truck, for example. Or the all-road. People say, this is just nonsense. And it's the same with the all-road. It's a car. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing as uh, Michelle. I had a really nice run out to New Jersey and back with it. And then, uh, for what you're getting there and um, the quality of the vehicle, the price is right, too. Well, well fifty thousand bucks. They can get up yes, there. Yes, but it's fifty thousand dollars. It's a luxury. It is a luxury vehicle. Yeah. But j just so the audience knows, we're talking about a fifty thousand dollars station wagon. What I thought was so impressive about the vehicle is the one I drove had a two-liter turbo engine. That's exactly I, what I had. I, I never knew it was a two-liter turbo. I had to look at the paperwork. I thought it was the 3.2-liter V8 that they had in the thing. I mean, that's the kind of performance that it has. That's VW's universal two-liter. Two-liter turbo, they put it in lots of different vehicles. But the key, too, is they put it behind an eight-speed automatic transmission. And again, going back to our discussion with the Ram with an eight-speed, boy, that makes up for all kinds of sins that might be going on in the powertrain. Really smooth. Another one that uh, didn't make the finalist list, Acura RDX. They uh, s took a step backward with the RDX, in my opinion, but then, of course, I, you know, anything that goes faster appeals to me. Um, the previous one was kind of a little hot rod. It was a little, um, not harsh, but it was not as refined, maybe, as the current, as the new one. But the new one does not have a lot of character to me. And uh, they're selling them, so I must be wrong. <laughs> well, and I think it's part of Acura's kind of mixed up on what it is and where it's going. What and, is and, Acura? Yeah, we, and it's too bad. Uh, but I, it, that's how it, it didn't scream a personality to me or what is this? To me, the confusion about Acura is it seems to want to be this boy racer kind of brand. I think and it also wants to be a luxury brand, and, they don't and it anything, hasn't worked. They don't have anything to sustain boy racer until the supercar comes along, but the rest of the product line is uh, mm. it's pretty ho-hum. And that applies to this one. Again, moving the needle. Does the RDX move the needle? Yeah, it moves the needle mm, down. <laughs> what do you all think, then, of the Nissan Pathfinder? Well, we talked about the Pathfinder and we talked about the Infiniti uh, JX, uh, which is a refinement of the Pathfinder, you know, more equipment, a uh, little more refinement. And I gave the Pathfinder some points because I think that it's pretty good, but in a way it's like the Hyundai Santa Fe. Uh, they moved away from the off-road ethos, although you see that in their advertising, they're trying to sustain it. And it, it gets to be a good execution uh, that doesn't really stand out. Does it move the needle? Well, I suppose it moves the needle for Nissan away from the image that they had before with that vehicle, but to what? And it moves, but it moves them closer to the market of what's really selling, you know, things yes. like the Ford Explorer. And, and it, for, for a business point of view, that makes a lot of sense. No, I agree totally. It has significantly better fuel economy than the model it replaced, and that's largely from going from a body on truck frame to a unit body construction. I think it's about a 500 pound lighter vehicle as a result. Gets significantly better fuel economy. Feels more refined inside. Uh, but I'm not sure I'm sold on the styling. There, there's a, a swoop in the front fenders that just doesn't do it for me. But hey, 
Uh, I'm not buying them anyway. Maybe the public will really warm up to that. But I, I think Nissan will probably end up selling more of them than I'm it sure did of the old model. Right. And then, Tony, you were mentioning uh, Infiniti uh, JX35. Yeah, I just uh, I think it's boring. And um, I have trouble with that when I'm thinking about in terms of uh, moving the needle. It's lovely. And how does it play with the rest of the Infiniti lineup where they're talking about they use the word performance? This thing is not a performance vehicle at all. It's a family. It's a minivan with uh, four doors, four hinged doors. Well, again, it was a business decision. They needed to go after a part of the market, especially they're going after a lot of women mother buyers uh, moving into a part of the market where they can get some volume. Uh, but does it fit the image? I'm not sure. Well, you know, we, we should explain to the audience, we start out with, what was it, 64 cars and trucks this year? It was something like that. Th then we had to whittle that down to what we call the short list. And then we voted uh, from the short list on the finalists. There's one more vehicle that was on the short list we haven't discussed, the BMW X1. Tony, what do you make of that? Well, one? I think that it's very good, and it's a little less money, and it uh, really gets you everything that you get with the X3, except just a little less interior volume. And I liked it a lot, and I think that they've done a good job with it. And I think everybody else is wrong who didn't give it points. <laughs> well, and I gave it some points. I, I, I think it's an interesting vehicle, but for me, for with the award, it's a little too niche. I mean, they're not going to sell a whole lot of them, so it didn't have a widespread there is that with a element, lot of consumers. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. And we try to appeal to consumers and what we. Let do. me make one other point about the JX, though. Uh, it has a feature, uh, a nanny feature, a safety feature, uh, where you're backing up, and it's got cameras back there, and it can see cross traffic and that sort of thing. And if you're not paying attention to what's going on behind you, it gives you a warning. It'll stop the car. And I think that is terrific. That's one that I really Especially endorse. Especially in that kind of vehicle. Yeah, in that kind of vehicle. And why they didn't transfer that over to the, make it available in the Pathfinder is, uh, it's a marketing it's decision, but I think it's wrong. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's especially good in well, when you're at the, the supermarket or the mall and you're backing out of a parking space. Or your space. driveway and you have kids. Or, or even that, too. Exactly right. Well, so. you run over two or three kids and people start to resent it, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put you all on the spot right now. Of the finalists, what's going to win Truck of the Year? And the finalists, again, are the Ford C-Max, the Mazda CX-5, and the Ram 1500. Michelle, who's going to win? Ram 1500, hands down. The Ram 1500, uh, on top of everything else, it's a truck. We can actually name a truck for truck of the year. But I think it's just an outstanding uh, effort on their part, and also it moves the needle. And I echo that. I think the Ram's going to win it as well. And to paraphrase Tony, as it should. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put you on the other spot, too, because we've been talking all about the, the finalists for the truck of the year. But we've got to get your opinions on the car of the year, too. And the finalists for the car of the year are the Cadillac ATS, the Ford Fusion, and the Honda Accord. Michelle, what do you like of those three? Well, of those three, I, I, my bet will be it'll be the Cadillac ATS. I think what happened was we had a whole bevy of mid-sized cars that were terrific. You know, I, I personally like the Altima a lot. And I think they sort of just, they got a lot of points. And it just, uh, it, it, we should mention, we spread 25 points over these. So... Um, it can get kind of jumbled. Right. You cannot give all your points to one car. You have to spread your points. We're trying to collect the collective wisdom of the 50-member jury and so selecting the car of the year. the most you can give is 10. Year. Right. And then 9. That's and then right. The most right. you can give is 10 to any one car. And as Michelle's pointing out, so many good cars right. this year. It's an unusual year for passenger cars. 
And of those three, you know, the Fusion, uh, just knockout styling, mm -hmm. a lot of neat features and a variety, but they have had some issues with it. And the um, Cadillac ATS, I think, talk about moving the needle, it certainly moves the needle for Cadillac. And they made a terrific effort with that car. And of uh, the three, maybe that one stands out the most. The Accord, in some ways, Honda's playing catch-up, especially in powertrain, which is just so astonishing for them to allow, have allowed that to happen. But that is a very competent vehicle, and they still retain uh, terrific dynamics. Uh, it's a car and driver 10 best car, yet again, just all-time record uh, in that respect. It's very good, especially in the interior. I think that they're a little timid with their styling. I would agree with that, but I think they've, they've caught up a lot. Yes. You know, we in the media have been criticizing Honda for being behind it's the ball. Mojo. It's lost its mojo, as we said. I think this car shows they're coming back. I agree with you, Tony. Uh, they could have pushed the styling envelope even more than they did, but boy, does that car drive well. I agree. It's it really extremely does. Good. Well, well. I love the Ford Fusion, too, but, you know, to the point Michelle raised earlier, the, the recalls, that, that, that hurts. And Boy, I love that car. Somebody described it as having movie star looks, mm -hmm. and I think that's a great way of describing it. Love the way it drives. Boy, I love the seats in that car, too, by the way. But I do like, uh, uh, well, I should, before I get to that, the Nissan Altima. I, I've been liking that car since I drove it very early in the year. I think it brings a lot of technology. You know, you were mentioning the, that backup camera that checks for cross-traffic. They also use it for as a backup camera and as lane departure and as blind spot detection. So it's a four-in-one camera, and that's brilliant. No one's done this. Nissan's brought it to a mass-market car. They've got some other things, too, that if you're really cornering hard, it keeps the inside rear wheel planted on the ground. Nobody else is doing that sort of thing. Great seats. Great seats in that one as well. Lots of room in the back seat. But i got to say... The Cadillac ATS does more to move the needle for Cadillac right. than any of the other cars we've talked about. To your point, Tony, those cars, just so many good cars, mm -hmm. but, but for Cadillac, boy, the ATS cashes the check. And that one can be an international player. People say, well, would you rather have a BMW 3 Series or this car? I don't know that it really comes down to that. Uh, BMW people are going to say, well, yeah, I want a BMW. It doesn't matter what's sitting in the other bay of the garage. But I think Cadillac's got a player. And we talk about interiors and seating and everything. Boy, they did a great job inside of that car as well as the chassis. Real good. With that, we're going to have, have to wrap this up. But Michelle, Tony, thanks so much for stepping in. And thank all of you for having tuned in. Production of Auto Line This Week is underwritten by True Car and by... Why? Because plants need water to grow. Because baseball's played in the summer. Oxygen and hydrogen. Because I forgot to get a receipt. Why? Why not? Why? Why don't you go ask your dad? Do Sonata drivers know something you don't? The Sonata from Hyundai.